Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, a tool to help believers rediscover true biblical doctrine and to help them understand and live out their faith in their homes, in their churches, and in their communities. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's get right to it. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this third and final episode about the Asbury Revival. I have figured that now is going to be the last time I speak of the Asbury Revival. There are a lot of things that I would like to say that I would like to continue to speak about, but I'm going to lay some things out here on this last and final episode that will kind of shape what I think about what's going on there in Asbury. I'm going to show you a few things here as uh, we move through this time, if you're watching on Facebook, you'll be able to see this. Uh, I'm sorry if you're watching on YouTube or you might link it from Facebook. That might be what you're doing as well. Uh, but if you're watching it visually, you'll be able to follow along and see the things I'm showing. If you're listening just by audio, obviously you won't be able to see, but I will do my best to let you know what is on my screen as I'm sharing it. And uh uh we're just gonna get into this this evening. Uh man, my last episode. I kind of broke down one of the people in Asbury University who are kind of uh, overseeing, I guess, or kind of part of the what you would call a quote-unquote revival, and uh, we kind of broke down her video. She was the student body president, and man, some people on YouTube came out of the woodwork, and they called me a pharisaical piranha that I just kind of gnashed and, and, and went after her and, and picked her video apart, and that wasn't my goal or intention to do that or come across that way. She did say some good things, but she also said some things that were very concerning. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to the latest episode and uh, it will be there for you to watch or listen to. But she said some very concerning things. And as we are discerning the spirits and testing the spirits, I thought it would be wise to just listen to what's coming out of that movement. And one of the things that people hammered me about is the fact that she was young, and they, some people called her a kid. Some people called her just a, a young adult, and that's how this revival is. That's who it's centered around as young adults. And uh, and to me, when I think of a revival, I, I don't think of God having a necessarily a, an age bracket that he is reviving. Now, he could revive an age bracket, absolutely, but when you start to try to push people out into a particular age bracket, then that to me, becomes sort of a red flag. So people started going after me and saying, well, she's just a kid. She needs grace. She uh, she needs, uh, she's just a kid. She's, God's using her and all these things. It, just a bunch of different comments. And so I started to think about this and see what they've put out. Many of you have likely seen the schedule that they've put out. And uh, one of the things that people have said is she's a kid, but here's the problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show you this. Um, here's the schedule they put out. And let's just read this together. This is Sunday, February 19th is when these services will continue. And as it says right here, number one, with afternoon and evening services, this includes prioritization for high schoolers and young adults 25 and under. So they are targeting even this revival, the people, the faculty, the people over this revival are kind of overseeing this revival, are pinpointing and pigeonholing this young age group. So if it's going to be this young age group that's going to come out and be part of this revival and they're putting content out for us to listen to, it's important that whether they're 18 or 25 or somewhere in between, that we listen and still discern what they are saying. 
age doesn't matter when we're talking about a biblical revival, the biblical gospel, and the biblical Bible in general. Just any kind of word that comes from the scriptures, it must be biblical. So it doesn't matter how old they are, if they're saying it in the name of God, we have to discern what they're saying. But you see right here, um, services through Sunday, February 19th will continue, and they're going to prioritize high schoolers and young adults. But then beginning on Monday, if you see this, Monday, February 20th, evening services at Hughes Auditorium will be reserved only for high schoolers and young adults 25 and under. Morning doors will be closed. That, to me, is a red flag, too. If this is a true biblical revival, they are the ones putting God in a box and closing the door to the auditorium in the morning. And then the afternoon service is when it will open and open to the public. Maybe they're meaning the doors will be closed to the public and it's just going to be students in the morning on Mondays. Maybe that's what it is. Either way, they're they're targeting that younger age bracket, which is fine. But if we're going to put out content about a biblical revival, again, we need to discern what they're saying. And even though they're, they may be young, but we see they're targeting the young, the younger crowd, the afternoon service open to the general public. And then the evening service at 7.30 p.m., seating for high schoolers and young adults 25 and under, including their leaders, will be reserved for the main floor. Guests will be allowed in the balcony spaces if young adults have not already occupied these seats. All other guests will be welcome in other designated simulcast venues. So now if you're looking come Monday, if you're looking to go to Wilmore, Kentucky, to this revival, you might get shut out. You might not get to participate. You might have to find somewhere else to go, somewhere else to watch this thing. And uh, it, it's generally what they're doing is they're trying to now constrict this thing. They're trying to wind it down is what they're doing. Even uh, uh, somebody, maybe the president or the dean or somebody put out a, um, um, a bulletin or whatever you may say he wrote a note or a letter just kind of saying what's going on. But ultimately in that it, it started showing that they have to really get back to class, which is what the girl said on her video. So really what they're doing is they're winding this thing down. And then come Thursday, February 23rd is the national collegiate day of prayer service. Only high schoolers and young adults, 25 and under will be allowed in Hughes auditorium for the national simulcast 8 PM to 10 PM Eastern. Other guests will be welcome to experience the simulcast in other designated locations. Remote guests will be able to participate in the simulcast by visiting the following link so you can watch it live. Although that is the only thing you'll be able to watch live because they have put out in their newest schedule that you cannot take video, you cannot record, you cannot have flash photography. And one of those things, people say, well, they're, they're, people are standing up giving testimonies. It's very tender. It's very private. But let me just say this. If God has changed my life by the power of the Holy Spirit through Christ alone, I could have been the worst of worst, but if I am now made new, I don't care who hears. I will I will want everybody to hear, but that's just me. Um, I don't want to be one of those guys that just harps on everything and, and says I'd do it one way when other people are doing it another. But you would think, though, if God was really truly working in this place and changing people's lives, that they would want everyone to know what's going on. And then we get to number four here, beginning Friday, February 24th. Evening services will be hosted at other locations to be announced and no longer held at Asbury University. We encourage guests to utilize these other designated facilities for worship and gathering. So where this revival began, they are quickly bringing it to an end. February 24th, which just so happens to be right after the National Collegiate Day of Prayer 
after they are starting to limit the the age group of people that can come in, where this revival is started, where it has taken place, and then on Friday, February the 24th, that hall will be closed where you see all the videos coming from. Uh, that's going to be over. Hughes Auditorium is going to be shut down to the students, to the public. And revival as we know it in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University will be complete. Now, some of you are saying, so what? The problem with that is when God begins a movement, who are we to say when it's over, when it's closed? And you may say, well, there's going to be other designated areas. Why not keep it going where it started, where people are flocking to, where people are, quote unquote, being changed, being saved, things are happening. We're going to talk about that, too, here in a minute. Why not just keep that thing going as long as it needs to go until People leave on their own. I mean, to me, class, light bills, water bills, uh, opportunities to serve. I mean, those things come secondary in our true revival, a true biblical revival. Those things aren't going to matter in the moment because people will be getting saved. People's lives will be being changed. People are being revived. But no, they're ending this thing on February 24th. And some of the same people that would say, all of you people that are using discernment and not really sure, maybe you're a little skeptical about what's happening, you're putting God in a box. And what I would simply say is, if you look at this schedule, they're putting God in the box because they're ending the revival that is supposed to continue until God says that's enough. However, they're saying, you know what, we're going to put a cap on this thing. We're going to send everybody back home. We're going to send everybody back to class. And then that's it. The revival as we know it at Asbury University is over. So to me, that is a red flag as well. So I'm going to continue to show you some red flags that I have. And then at the end of this, I'm going to tell you where I stand as far as whether this is a true move of God or not. And uh, we'll be done with Asbury University and on this podcast, at least. And you can continue to comment yay or nay or, or write me uh, dirty comments telling me I'm a pharisaical Shark. Uh, no, piranha. Pharisaical piranha. I, I hate that. I hate that somebody thinks of me like that. But at the end of the day, First Timothy tells me to keep doing this um, because this matters. Doctrine matters. Sound doctrine matters. Uh, one of the other things that you may have seen floating around here is this guy, uh, Edward Versailles. At Edward Versailles is this Twitter handle. You may have seen this over the past couple of days, and this guy's name is Elijah. He says, day eight, and my seminary friends are still leading worship. Did you know people of color, women, and queer students have been leading worship all eight days? Both student bodies have lended themselves into being us towards the throne. Uh, I think that may be bringing us towards the throne of God. Lended themselves into bringing us toward the throne of God. I believe that's, a, that's what he's trying to say there. But there were some people on, uh, on social media that would say, I've heard this is a parody account. This is probably not real. So, you know, I thought, well, let me just kind of do some tracing. Let me just try to fill this out. Let me see what's going on here. So I went to Twitter, and I pulled up this at Edward Versailles, uh, if that's how you say it, whether, whether you say it like that or not. I pulled this profile up, and lo and behold, in the bio of that profile linked Elijah. You see Elijah right here. Uh, it linked to another Elijah, and that's where we find Elijah Drake here on Twitter the one who said he had queer friends leading in worship, still leading on day eight. And look at what he says in his bio here. Celibate SSA gay student at Asbury Theological Seminary. Not always easy 
read the pinned tweet thread. So we'll look down here at this pinned tweet. It says, I am a celibate gay Christian. Why do I, why do I identify as gay? Read my undergrad thesis here. We're not going to read his undergrad thesis on this episode. Why am I in my current place, my testimony? And there's a YouTube link. That YouTube link will take you to the campus of Asbury University where he is in a college classroom where he is standing up, giving a presentation of why he is gay, that he's attracted to men. And he talks about being celibate. And uh, some of you may say, well, he's celibate. That's that's great. And I would say I'm glad he truly is. If he is, if he's, if he's truly celibate, I'm so glad of that, and I praise God for that. However, if you are a true Christian, if you are a true believer, you will not identify as gay, queer, or trans, or any other thing that they have, uh, bisexual or anything like that. You will identify as a believer in Christ Jesus alone. Your identity will be in Christ. I have a list of sins that I, I was once this person, and I could still be this person easily, but I don't identify with the sin that I abstain from. I identify as a son of God, a um, born-again believer in Christ Jesus. So Bible-believing Christians don't carry the name queer and gay, whether they're celibate or not. I'm sorry. This is just woke leftism stuff that we're seeing right here, things that should not be in the church, yet this is the type of stuff that is in this revival that we're somehow allowing to pass because we we, we say, well, this is a move of God. Can't you see it? Well, I've been in the middle for several days now, and the more I start chasing these rabbits down these trails to see what I'm uncovering, I don't like what I'm finding. And these are people that are in the midst of this revival. What started it? What's keeping it going? So to me, if this has gotten out into the public, and it has, it's all over social media, if I'm a faculty member at Asbury University and I read my statement of faith and it says what it does about homosexuals, then I'm going to be first and foremost putting out something to say we do not have gay or queer people leading our worship through music. There is no way, shape, or form anyone that identifies that way would be allowed, but that hasn't happened. As a matter of fact, I've got a friend that was on the ground yesterday at Asbury University, and he asked one of the faculty members about this, and they said, well, I, we don't have gay or queer people leading, uh, but we are aware of the celibate queers, and we're monitoring it. Uh, that's about all they said, but still, when a Bible-believing Christian or at least someone that professes to be a Bible-believing Christian, carries around the name gay and queer, that is a problem. God abhors homosexuality, abhors it. So why would you want to identify with it? This is a, a very, very troubling thing that we see here. And uh, there's been a lot more being said by this young man on his Twitter feed. We're not going to go there. I have no desire to look at his Twitter feed. Uh, but yes, this this tweet is real, and it came from him, Elijah Drake. And of course, the schedule is real. And there you have um, February 24th is the end of the revival. Everybody go home. Everybody go to class. And only this week, you got to be 25 and under to be able to even get in. Uh, if you're not 25 or under, 
there's only a, a one shot a day, it seems like, maybe two. Uh, but uh, they're holding that out for 25 and 18 year olds, 18 to 25 year olds. So you may not even get in the door at a revival that is supposed to be sparking uh, this place and, and, and just growing from there. But here's the thing. Somebody says, well, well, God's going to use the young people. Well, he's going to do it in a biblical way. He's not going to use queer and trans people and gay people to get up there and lead a revival because that is not biblical. If this young man were to say, I have been attracted to men. However, I am killing that sin. I am mortifying that because God abhors homosexuality. It's something that he hates, and I am mortifying that sin daily so I can serve and honor my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's different than celebrating it, and what he's doing is celebrating it. So you couple this with them just ending the revival on the 24th and what Allison Perfader said on the previous episode and in, in, in saying things like, even if you're not a believer, just ask for revival, ask for the spirit, just have a conversation. Hey, what's up? Let's talk. That is red flag after red flag after red flag. But wait, there's more. So I want to tell you about some more things that are red flags that um, came up re- as recent as today that have come across and uh, I've kind of traced this down and uh, looked at it. And uh, I got to be honest with you, I don't like what I see. And uh, I'm going to just get this set up for you. That way I can share my screen again and uh, you can see for yourself what is being said under the Asbury Revival Facebook group. And uh, we're going to take a look at this. And it is not going to be pretty. So uh, they're also calling this an outpouring at um, Asbury University, an outpouring of the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't need to be poured out because it came at Pentecost and never left. If the Holy Spirit needed to leave, then the Holy Spirit would have to send another helper, and we don't find that in the Scriptures. But nevertheless, I want to show you this. Some of you may have seen this today, and I have checked this um, I've checked this Asbury University revival. It's a group. You can join it online. You can go there and you can see it for what it is. And I just wanted to pull this up so you can see this as well, because this matters. This is the most recent update directly from Asbury University. It says alternative sites updated 430 on February the 18th, which is today. All sites have prayer teams and ushered seating with public restrooms. Water and snacks are out as we have them available. Please recycle, reuse, and place in proper containers. No bags in hues unless for medical and child care uh, or child needs. These bags are being checked. And here's where it gets interesting. Another red flag. Ministry of dance, flags, fire tunnels, and alike are encouraged on the semicircle of Asbury University. Beware of the mud. It's been raining there this week, so it's going to be muddy. And uh, they are encouraging the Ministry of Dance, flags, and fire tunnels. Where do you find these things? Very charismatic churches. New Apostolic Reformation churches. If you're not familiar with those churches, they are way left of the Bible when it comes to Bible believing. They are they are not just continuationists. They take continuationism to a whole nother level. 
um, I saw people waving flags early on and began to get a little um, concerned about them allowing. I mean, there's nothing in, you know, bad in and of itself as far as waving flags, but I'm not sure what purpose that serves in worship. And you're going to tell me in the comments, and I know you will, is that that's just the way they express themselves in worship. And that's fine. But I just don't see waving flags prescribed in the text. I would tell you that I hold, and this is my biblical conviction, to what is called the regulative principle of worship. When we worship in our worship services, our church services, and even in revival, nothing changes because it's a revival. We do the things that God has prescribed in his word. The normative principle would say, well, if he didn't specifically forbid it, we can do it. That's where you get dangerous things like, uh, the ministry of dance, flags, and fire tunnels. Um, but uh, I hold biblically, and it's a conviction biblically, of the regulative principle of worship, and um, I just don't see these things in the text. I don't. David danced. We see that, but uh, that's not a common theme that we see in the Scriptures. We don't see that in the New Testament. Um, especially fire tunnels. And here's why I wanted to pull this one up, because as you can see, there is um, a definition of what fire, tur fire, tunnel fire tunnels are. And just fire tunnels sounds pretty scary and weird. And listen to what it says. At Bethel Church, if you know anything about Bethel Church, Bethel Church is a heretical church that teaches heresy, false doctrine, but it says at Bethel Church, they have a very peculiar ritual known as fire tunnel or tunnel of fire. In a nutshell, people who are deemed more mature in the faith form two lines, a human tunnel, so to speak. The novices are made to go through that. Those forming the tunnel may lay hands on them and transfer into them the same quote-unquote anointing that they supposedly carry. It's very common to see people display strange physical manifestations during these events, which may include appearing drunk, laughing hysterically, being slain in the spirit, jerking or shaking, etc. Folks, this is demonic. This is not of God. Fire tunnels are not of God. This is quickly getting out of hand, and it's quickly revealing itself. Now, you may say you disagree with me and my assessment, and uh, I would say that's okay. Uh, but we're going to listen to this. It's seven minutes long, and this was a pastor that went to the the revival first one time, and um, he got a lot of pushback on uh, on uh, social media, on TikTok especially. So he said, you know what, since I got so much pushback, I believe that I will go back just to make sure that I wasn't, you know, looking at this through some sort of personal lens that I wanted to make a, a fair assumption on what I was seeing. And um, so he went back and he spent some time there and we're going to listen to this and I hope to not, I hope not to just uh, leave it up here and you know how I am sometimes I, I will uh, start and stop these things, but that is not my goal here. I hopefully will get through this, but I know for a fact 
that I'm going to stop it at least once to kind of. This is not going to be a popular video. Yeah. It's going to be very, very um, troubling and something that we must, we have to talk about. Let's listen here to what Pastor Keeler says when he went to the Asbury Revival again. This is not going to be a popular video. Yeah. After my initial assessment, I went back to Asbury and spent eight hours there. Let me first say that my opinion is not authoritative, but I am compelled to share it because I am a pastor of a church just an hour away from Asbury. So to everyone questioning why I would even go to this if I was skeptical and why I felt I should share my opinion, because this affects the sheep in my local church and I want revival, true revival, and I think that we've been experiencing at the church that I help pastor. I'm one of six pastors. So I'm going to tell you what I saw and heard, and I'm going to give my thoughts. Here's my first observation. There are sincere people singing praises to God, and that, as it is, is good. I am not discrediting the worship of God through the singing of songs. It's good. There was singing for nearly an hour when I arrived. The man who preached the initial message then read John 15. He invited people to stand who were weary of focusing on bearing fruit rather than abiding in the vine. He then addressed Christian leaders around the room who might have been too embarrassed to stand and cast out the spirit of embarrassment. Young people. All right. If you know John 15, it talks about abiding in the vine, the vine being Christ, but it sounds like Pastor Keeler said, or I don't think I'm saying that right. Um, I think they said it right on um, conversations that matter, but I'm not sure. But this pastor, this brother said that they focus more on bearing fruit than abiding in the vine. Now, if you've been following this thing, they have been putting a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit and less emphasis on Jesus Christ, which uh, abiding in the vine means to abide in Christ as Christ abides in us. And it sounds like they were focused more on the fruit producing uh, that the Spirit helps us produce and less concerned about staying connected or abiding in that vine, which is Jesus Christ. And then... In case you missed it, he said the guy that got up and, and preached the initial sermon that started this whole thing cast out the um, – let's see how he said it. Let's just rewind it. The room who might have been too embarrassed to stand and cast out the spirit of embarrassment. Young people were – Cast out the spirit of embarrassment. This is a lot of the deliverance stuff that I told you I would talk about at some point. I'm not going to relate this to – Asbury, as they did have a an exorcism take place, so to speak, or a deliverance, as it would be said, right there in the middle of the floor on the on the main floor of that auditorium. Um, but this man said he's going to cast out the spirit of embarrassment, and they believe the deliverance ministries would believe that um, things like this are demons that are kind of manifesting inside of you, and he needs to cast these things out. So the demon of embarrassment is essentially what he's saying, and he cast out that spirit. That is not biblical. Um, that is not something that we can do today and have the power to do is say, come out, and that thing come out of somebody. And when we're talking about embarrassment, embarrassment, everybody gets embarrassed. Even believers get embarrassed. But the problem is this, this deliverance ministry stuff, these are people that would profess to be believers but would say they can be possessed by demons. So Christians can't be possessed by demons, 
but they think these things are manifestations, that they're demons, and they need to be cast out, which it sounds like what this guy did who spoke the original message that he cast out the spirit of embarrassment, which is another red flag. Or then invited to rotate reading scripture. Some students read scripture and then said things like, I can hear God saying that he is happy with us for being here. A couple of students just purely read scripture and it was great. It was fantastic. It was beautiful. Subtly there, he mentioned it. He didn't harp on it. I'm going to just say this again. This is my position, biblical conviction, biblical conviction of cessationism. There were some there that could hear God say that he's happy with them for being there. Uh, I believe Hebrews 1, again, teaches us that we have all we need to hear God speak, and it's the 66 books of the Bible. The canon is closed. No new revelations. God is not speaking audibly anymore to anybody. Uh, we have everything we need in life and in death right there. Everything we need for salvation, everything we need to know to live a godly life in Christ, we have it in the 66 books, and that's all we need is that. So that's another red flag of the charismatic NAR stuff that I'm hearing of God speaking audibly to people, telling them that they are happy that they are there. And this gets even more troubling. One student, after reading his scripture, made mention of the reality of sin and one's need for Jesus. So, so far, uh, there are some encouraging things here. And then one of their leading female faculty got up and said, let's take a moment and preach the gospel. Here we go. Somebody said, let's let's preach the gospel. We need to take a moment to preach the gospel. Finally, we've been hearing all week long, how this revival has been void of the gospel. Here we go. The gospel is about to come, and it's about to hit Asbury University. People are about to be saved. The gospel is about to go forth to each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. Folks, that's the gospel coming out of Asbury University, and this is from a man who was in the room when it was said. A man that loves Jesus, who has no reason to lie, and uh, that's the gospel, according to Asbury University faculty member who happens to be a female. Uh, and you may say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I believe that females, as Scripture teaches, should not teach, and they should not have authority over a man. And uh, that's a problem as well. Another red flag coming out of Asbury Revival. And uh, th that's the gospel. Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. I'm not lying, embellishing, or paraphrasing. That is what she said. And so everyone did just that. And that is what I meant in my first report when I said I was concerned about gospel clarity. With what clarity is the gospel being taught? Not just in an evangelistic capacity, because the gospel is for believers too. Contrary to what many people are saying to me, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life is not the gospel. There's then again a lot of singing. I witnessed many people having an emotional experience to slowly chanting the Hebrew name of Jesus over and over and over and over and over again. In the midst of the singing, there were prayers that God would speak that is apart from what he has already spoken in his word. The same lady who taught earlier that the gospel is Jesus loves you and has a plan for you then came up and gave a message from Luke, I believe, and it was as if she could feel the impatience in the room. The same lady got up and preached a message from the book of Luke, totally ignoring the passages in the Bible that Paul does not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. And there's impatience in the room. It's probably the Holy Spirit convicting her 
of the impatience for disobeying the scriptures. Uh, matter of fact, let me just read it to you. First Timothy chapter two, starting in verse 11, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Do not permit a, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Um, many of you feminists are going to hate me for that. That's okay. Um, I'm fine with that. Uh, but it's the Bible. It's the word of God. It's in the canon. It's in the scriptures. God has breathed this out. And here we have this woman preaching a message from the book of Luke. I wish, I, I wish he'd tell me exactly what, he, what she preached from the book of Luke. We are finishing the book of Luke this Sunday at our church. So be interesting. However, she felt the spirit of impatience. I guess she probably, I'm going to guess, I haven't listened this far, but I bet you she cast it out. Let's see. And she said with her hands up as she began, uh, just a few minutes in the word of God, and then we'll continue singing. That's what she said. She gave a message that was gospel-less. The gospel of that message was that only Jesus can satisfy the longing of your heart. And no matter what your story is, God's love will never give up on you. And then we sang Reckless Love by Corey Asbury, a song that attributes to God a characteristic that is used in scripture only of wicked men. You see what this has turned into is love, 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 love. And that's the characteristic of many professing believers these days, that God is love. But God is also a God of wrath and justice, and and uh, he will be a God of vengeance. And in that, that is love, but nobody wants to talk about that. But God is also one that requires repentance, true biblical repentance, not just, I know you guys are impatient, just a few minutes in the word, and then we'll get back to singing. Another red flag straight from the podium at Asbury University that this revival taking place is impatient with the word of God. There is no way that if this is a true move of God, a true revival, that anybody would be impatient when it came to hearing the preached word of God. Now, it came from a woman, but nobody should be impatient to hear the preached word of God. Everybody wants to sing and feel emotional and um have the hairs on the back of their neck stand up and sway back and forth and get drunk in the spirit and, and speak in tongues and laugh and, and all these things. And many people can't do that when they've got to sit still and listen to the proclaimed word of our God. At this point, I decided to stay until I heard some sort of biblical explanation of the gospel. The guy who preached the initial message told what he called the story of God through a long illustration of a table and two chairs. He demonstrated the fall of man by pushing one of the chairs over. He said the Old Testament is about wandering primarily, and some of you also are here wandering. Uh, the table represented the meal of intimacy with Jesus to which there is a standing invitation. After this somewhat confusing illustration, he did finally talk about sin and the blood of Jesus shed to cover sin. He did not explain what sin is other than using words like waywardness along with it. He did not elaborate on how the shed blood of Christ atones for sin. He did not talk about the imputed righteousness of Christ, but he did call for faith alone in Christ alone, whose blood covers sin, and that is Good. Now, people are reporting that salvations are happening, and after this surface-level gospel presentation was given, I gained insight into what people mean by that. People were then invited to respond to the standing invitation of intimacy with Jesus by standing up from their seats. He waited. Several people stood. Everyone else in the room applauded them for standing. He waited. He said, don't stand if you're not ready to, but if you're hesitant, let the courage of those who have stood encourage you to stand. A few more people stood. Everyone applauded them. The people standing were then led in a repeat-after-me style sinner's prayer. This 
which is not in the Bible. The sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. Repeat after me. Stand if you want to be saved is not in the Bible. Um, and let me just say, too, the Old Testament is not about wandering. It's about Christ. The Old Testament points to Christ. There's so many types and shadows in the Old Testament that point to Christ. And, uh, yeah, um, intimacy. There's that love thing again. Um, people are all about love, love, love with Christ. And that's that's just how people are these days. And um sounds like they were called to an intimate dinner with Christ. And people stood, and then other people stood because of those people's courage to stand. And uh, that's what it appears that the salvations are and how they're being recorded. The speaker said, now when I say amen, let's all give a shout. He said amen, and everyone shouted and clapped, and the music began again. What we have here, my friends, is typical revivalism. Hours of singing, many hyper-emotional songs, a quick superficial gospel presentation, a pressured appeal to make an immediate demonstrative response, a sinner's prayer, and a guarantee that you've been saved because you stood up and repeated a prayer. I will say that there were many old theologically rich songs sung during the day, which is where I think gospel themes and elements are being most clearly communicated at Asbury. This is a word search of the transcript of the sermon that supposedly kicked off this revival. You will notice that the speaker never mentioned the word sin, repentance, gospel, good news, holiness, atonement, hell, and you will notice that the word tacos was used more than heaven. Is this the kind of message that sparks a genuine revival? That is a real question that I have. Now, people are saying, I'm, I'm hearing people say that the gospel is being presented repeatedly. From what I have experienced and observed, there are only two explanations for this. First, people are gospel ignorant. People think that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life is the gospel. That's two, right. there are people who do know the gospel, the true gospel, and in their optimism and in their kindness, they are filling in the blanks in their minds when they hear partial gospel truths. Will God save people through these gospel presentations and this decisional regeneration that is being pushed? I believe so. God can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick. As I That's said right. before, sincere people are worshiping God and that is a good thing. But I think people will come and go, have an emotional experience, claim they felt the Holy Spirit, and remain gospel ignorant and dead in their sins. A friend of a friend shared this testimony that I'm going to read now. Quote, as someone who started his new life in Christ in a church that emphasized experiential revival above all else, I can tell you with great certainty that a live and let live attitude to things like the subject of the post worship music becoming hypnotic droning in an attempt to provoke an experience and call it the work of the Holy Spirit does great damage to young and immature believers and therefore to the whole body of Christ. I look back and see that the people who did okay and weren't damaged by that church were people who came into it with a lot of discipleship and a Christian upbringing in stable families. However, new converts like me with no Christian background and emotional psychological problems were told that the solution to everything was pursuing any emotional high or experience in worship or at the altar. Few of my cohort from that church are still walking with Christ in any way. Christians who have been discipled to pursue emotional experience above sanctified thought and behavior do not withstand temptation or trials. Mm. Mm. <sighs> Folks, this is this is this is the revival. This is the revival that people are so excited about people are trying to emulate in their own churches 
across the country now. Um, there's nothing wrong with praying. There's nothing wrong with hoping that they would see something start right in their own churches, but they're trying to emulate something that I believe is not biblical. Now, there have been so many red flags presented, and I know that many people will watch this video and, and, and they'll have something to say, and it'll be mainly charismatics, those who believe in the sign gifts, those who um, believe in more of a normative uh, principle of worship. Well, if it's not forbidden, we can do it. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be people like that that say stuff, and that's okay. And, and, and again, I'm going to respect you. I'm going to respect your decision. But I think there's a lot of people in the true Christian crowd that threw a lot of shade at people that were concerned about this, and you people need to repent. I'm just going to say that. Um, lovingly say that. Um, I have friends on my Facebook page that threw a lot of shade at people for being concerned and trying to test this thing out. And uh, the more and more I, I personally discern this thing, the more I see that it is not biblical, and that is my stance. Uh, God can change that, and I am fully aware of that. And if God changes my stance on this revival, I will. I will change it, and I will say, God, I was wrong. I repent, and this is was totally a move of you. And um, But until God changes me or the Holy Spirit moves upon me to change that, I, I simply can't change it because I simply don't believe this to be a biblical revival as we know uh, the Bible and discern the Scriptures. Now, what I will say is, is God moving in hearts and minds in some of the folks there, maybe some of the folks that came and, and witnessed this firsthand? Absolutely. So is God moving? Absolutely. God is always moving. God is always doing something somewhere, somehow. And he's doing it for his glory. Not for us to have uh, just wonderful, emotional, driven worship singing hours or days. And not for us to uh, be impatient when the word of God is presented. Not for us to, to teach a false gospel. God's going to get his glory through all things. He's going to do that. But God is going to get glory, and revival is going to start when we stay close to the Scriptures. So let me tell you how I believe revival is going to start in this land. By opening your Bible, you have to open a Bible. I hope you have a copy of the Word. Um, you need a physical copy, a physical copy of God's Word. You can have it on the phone. That's great, but you need a physical copy. You want revival? Open your Bible. Read it obey it. That is how we get true revival. So this is my last uh, last little message about Asbury. No, I do not believe this is a biblical revival. No, I do not believe this is something of God. I think it is all of man. However, I do believe that God could work and has worked in some folks' life. So, therefore, that is the last thing I'm going to say about it. And again, if you disagree with me, all I all I ask is that you respect my opinion and lay off calling me a Pharisee or anybody else a Pharisee or a piranha or uh, one, one, one guy on my, my Facebook timeline, a, a guy I consider a dear brother and a friend, said that some of us wouldn't know if um, God slapped us in our face with revival, if it fell down from heaven as fire or something like that. I don't know exactly what it said, but... But man, those are pretty strong words 
And if and this brother believes that this is a true biblical revival, and I respect his opinion. But unfortunately, that's not reciprocated uh, across many, many lanes. And uh, now you know where I stand, as if you cared. You probably didn't, but I had to talk about it because a lot of people are talking about it. And I've sat back, I've waited, I've watched, I've listened, I've seen all the red flags, heard all the red flags. And um, I think the nail in the coffin for me is Asbury saying, you know what? Revival's over on February 24th. (laughs) It's over. Uh, because um, it just is. Maybe somebody got a prophetic word or something like that to say that God they knew God was going to shut it down on the 24th. But anyway, uh, those are my last ramblings and thoughts because I have no, no uh, yearning or desire to continue to be letting this be divisive in the body of Christ. Um, and if my comments are divisive, I apologize. But I think it's worth throwing out there as we discern this thing, as we look at the scriptures and compare this thing to the scriptures. And I just don't see it. As of right now, I don't see it. And apparently I've only got about five or six more days (laughs) to change my mind. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. So uh, I'd love to hear your comments if if you listen, if you have made it this far. Love to hear your comments, your thoughts about what I've presented to you. And again, this is just a small portion of things that have gone on there, but um, they're very concerning in my opinion. And uh, anyway, that's going to be a wrap as far as any more episodes on the Asbury quote-unquote revival. Hopefully we'll hear some true biblical stories come out of there of how people were changed, but on a national grand level, um, God doing a revival through young people. I don't think this is it. I could be wrong again, but I just don't think this is it. But I'm not going to talk about it anymore. What I am going to talk about is this new deliverance ministry that is really picking up steam across uh, the landscape of religion. I'll say it that way. Uh, I really want to talk about this because it's interesting. It's interesting. And uh, maybe show you some some clips of some things that I've seen. Uh, one, of the main, one of the main guys in there is Pastor Greg Locke. If you know Greg Locke, uh, Todd Bentley, they're in this deliverance ministry stuff. And uh, we're going to talk about that and and how that relates to the Bible, how that relates to Scripture. We are not going to tie it back into the quote-unquote exorcism at Asbury a couple of days ago. As I said, we're done with that. But this deliverance ministry thing is interesting. It's gaining steam, and it's gaining popularity. And they're even uh, they even have a documentary coming out that's going to hit 2,000 theaters across America in March, I believe, and it's supposed to be kind of a, a rebuttal to the American Gospel film and the do- American Gospel documentary. There's two parts to that already. The third one will be coming out soon, but this is supposed to be their rebuttal to that. I can't wait to see it. I'm actually going to go see it uh, because I think we need to discern and, and see what we're up against as believers. So uh, Deliverance Ministry, if you haven't heard about it, look it up. It's kind of scary. It's kind of weird and I think unbiblical. But uh, those are my closing thoughts on Asbury. I hope that you have enjoyed these. If you have, give me a like, give me a comment, subscribe if you want to. And if you don't like it, I'm sure you'll let me know. Until next time, God bless.